And I'm glad that you're here. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles with me tonight. Amen. I'm going to be reading from the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 through 9. When I'm finished preaching tonight, I want us to have a time of prayer together. And uh, because I believe God is going to do some amazing things in our lives. But before He does amazing things... He's calling our church to consecrate ourselves. Alright? So before God's going to do amazing things, He calls us to consecrate ourselves. That means to separate ourselves. And I can't do the amazing things, and you can't do the amazing things, but God can. And so we're going to separate ourselves from the things that hinder us, and we're going to position ourselves for God to work inside of us and in our midst. Amen? Amen. I want the Lord to work in us. I want the Lord to work in our cities, and I want the Lord to work in our families, I want the Lord to work in our church, I want the Lord to work in our Sunday school classes, in our youth group, in our children's church, I want the Lord to work, amen, and it's not going to come on accident, it's not going to come just because we get together in church, but it's going to be because we're intentional about it, and we are positional about it, amen, it's not going to be because somebody, a certain person standing behind the pulpit, or somebody gets excited, or somebody's got the right personality. It's going to be because God's people humble themselves and pray and seek His face, and He's going to answer, He's going to respond, and He's going to do the work. Amen. Amen. It's a good thing I quit singing when I did, because I need a little bit of energy tonight. And so I'm going to read these verses to you tonight from Genesis chapter 12, verse number 6. If you found it, say Amen. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 6 says, And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sichem, unto the place of Morah, or the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. Notice that. Abram, he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Verse number 8, And he removed from thence unto the mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord. So he did it another place. He built another altar, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And I want to preach for a few minutes here tonight, before we have our time of prayer. I want to preach about the altar in your life need to have an altar in your life. You need to have a place where you meet God. And so I want to preach a little bit about the altar in your life. Amen. Greet your neighbor before you're seated. Smile. Shake hands with someone. Be friendly. Before I forget, um, we have our regular services here on Wednesday night, 730 and then uh, there's, there's a cleaning, a Sunday afternoon clean, cleaning schedule sign-up sheet on the bulletin board. If you can help with that, it's greatly appreciated to get the church ready for Sunday night church. So many of you have done that over the years, and we greatly appreciate that. But there's one for the next few months that's on the bulletin board if you can sign up for that. Amen. But I want to preach tonight about the altar in your life. This is not the first time I preached about having an altar. And this probably is not going to be the last time I preach about having an altar. But an altar is simply... A raised place where sacrifices and gifts are given in the context of a religion or in context of serving the Lord. It's a platform of sorts. It's a raised area where 
becomes a center of worship. It becomes a place where people encounter God. They have an altar. There are numerous altars that are mentioned in the Scripture. We read of a couple here in Genesis chapter 12 where Abram built altars. Abraham was a nomad. He traveled. And so he didn't just have one altar. He didn't just have one place that he talked to God. He had multiple altars, multiple places. He built them in different locations so that when he traveled from place to place, there was an altar. If there wasn't an altar, he built an altar. If there wasn't a well, he dug a well. The first mention of an altar is in Genesis chapter 8 when Noah built an altar after coming out of the ark. How many know Noah built an altar? Got off the boat and he built an altar. Genesis 12, Genesis 13, Genesis 22 talk about the altars that Abraham built. His son Isaac became an altar builder. You need to build an altar in your life. You need to have an altar in your life. You need to have a place where you talk to God, where you meet God. When Gideon, I preached a little bit about Gideon this morning. When Gideon saw the angel of the Lord face to face, he built an altar. Samson's father, Manoah, he had an altar. It was called the rock to the Lord. Saul built an altar. David constructed an altar. In the tabernacle, in the temple, there were two altars specifically mentioned The brazen altar, or the altar made of brass. It was the first piece of furniture that people saw when they went in the temple. It was large. It was a place where sacrifices um, were given. There was the altar of incense, where they had a fire that burned continually. And they burned incense on this altar, and it it, it put up a sweet-smelling aroma. It was an aroma unto the Lord. And there's over 400 instances in the Scripture where an altar is talked about. Much is said about them. Much is said about the altars to the Lord. But also there are altars that were built to false gods. If we're not careful, we're going to start building altars to the false gods. If we're not careful, we're going to have an altar to the things that we shouldn't be worshiping. But there are altars that people in the Bible built to the Lord, and there are altars that people built to false gods like Baal. Hosea 8 and 11 says, Ephraim hath made many altars to sin, and altars shall be unto him to sin. Altars are mentioned in the New Testament. It's not just an Old Testament thing. But there are altars that are mentioned in the New Testament. In fact, the Bible says this, and you may not realize, but the Bible says this, that if you bring your gift to the altar and your relationship is not right with your brother, leave your gift at the altar and go make things right with your brother and then come back and offer your gift to God. Give, give it to the Lord. Make sure your relationship with your brother is right before you try to bring something to the Lord. Revelation 6 talks about souls. Think about that. It talks about the souls that were under the altar. There was a place of protection there in Revelation 6. But altars are mentioned throughout the Bible. We have a place here in our church. We have two of them. We call them altars. And often people find a place at the altar to pray. Sometimes it's a chair. It's an altar. Sometimes it's the steps. It's an altar. Wherever people encounter God, it's an altar. Sometimes it's at the front of the room and sometimes it's at the back of the room. Sometimes it's on one side of the room. 
but it's where we encounter the Lord. You need an altar in your life. Everybody needs an altar in your life. A place where you meet God. A place where you talk to God. Amen. We need an altar where we meet the Lord. I love the altar. I love the altar. Many times around this altar, I've prayed. You've prayed. Like many of you, we've prayed with one another. We've prayed around the altars. I've shed tears with people. You have too. I've rejoiced with people around this altar. I've watched people break before the Lord. People who needed to repent. Backslide, black, not black, but backslidden people. I've, I've watched them come to the Lord. And I've, and I've seen them uh, uh, just humble themselves before the Lord. And I've seen the, the Lord fill people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost at the altar. You need an altar in your life. You need to have a place where you meet the Lord. Do you have an altar? Where's your altar? Where's your altar tonight? Where do you meet God? Do you spend time at your altar? I'm not here to put heap guilt on anybody. Don't, don't mistake what I'm preaching here tonight. I'm not here to, to try to put a weight of condemnation upon anybody or try to make anybody feel bad. But I want you to be challenged tonight. I want you to be challenged to go after God. I want you to be challenged to pray. I, don't, I, I want you to get out of the, the complacency mindset. I want you to break out of that, that mindset to where I'm just going to float by and I'm just going to keep coming to church and just going through the motions. I'm gonna just, I want you to break out of that mentality and understand that you've got to have an altar in your life. You gotta have a place where you go and you meet God and you talk to the Lord and you, 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 you wrestle with things with the Lord and you repent of things and you, you lay some things down and you pick some things up. When the Lord deals with you, when the Lord convicts your heart, you take it to the altar and you repent of it and you leave it there. When the Lord convicts you, you hear me tonight, when the Lord convicts you, don't go back and pick that back up. You leave it there at the altar. Don't go back on your convictions. Don't go back on what the Lord's spoken to you about. But you leave it at the altar and you repent of it. That's why you have an altar in your life. The 28th chapter of Genesis gives us an account of when Jacob came to the city of Luz. And when Jacob got to Luz, and I should have got a pillow from upstairs or something, but when Jacob got to Luz, he gathered some rocks together and he put them in a little pile and he laid down on that, on that ground and he put his head on the rocks. I don't know if this is going to work when I do this or not. But he put his head on the rocks and he went to sleep. That kind of hurts my ear being down there on that. He went to sleep with his head on the rocks. And sometime in the middle of that night, God gave him a dream. And in the middle of that dream, there's a ladder that extended to heaven. And on that ladder, Jacob could see angels going up and down the ladder. At the top of that ladder, the Lord began to speak to Jacob. And he said, Jacob, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make this covenant with you that I made with your father and your grandfather. And the Lord gave him a promise in that middle of that dream. And, 
And Jacob wakes up out of that dream after his head's down on those rocks. And he wakes up and he said, the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. He said, I've got to do something about it. And so he, he began to take those rocks that his head was laying upon. And he took those rocks and he, he built, the Bible says he built a pillar. P-I-L-L-A-R. He built a pillar. He built a altar, an altar right there. And what was his pillow became his altar. Now you think about that. Where he laid his head all night, he took those things and he made a place where he could interact with God. And Brother Graham, I got to thinking about that. And I thought, how many times have people like you and I, at night, we have laid our heads down on our pillow. And God began to speak to us. And the Lord, we just, we interacted with the Lord with our head on the pillow. And I thought, you know what? If Jacob can make a, an altar out of his pillow, then why can't I? You ever had one of those days or one of those weeks where you go from sunup to sundown and you just go all day long and you lose track of time and, and you don't take time to pray? You don't go to a chair and kneel down in prayer. You don't go wherever you nor. Have you ever had one of those days? you ever had one of those weeks? But you go to your bed that night and you put your head on the pillow and you talk to God. You say, Lord, thank you for this day. And, and your spouse might be next to you or People might be sleeping in the other room or the house. And so it might just be a silent prayer. You begin to talk to the Lord. And I don't know if this ever happened to you, but as you're lying there in your pillow, a tear just gathers in the corner of your eye. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's just you and God. And that pillow becomes an altar where you talk to God. Early in the in the, the the early hours of the night, when everything's still and nobody's stirring in the house, have you ever have you ever awakened in the middle of the night? You had a burden to pray, or you had something on your heart, or you're discouraged about something, or you're dealing with something, and your pillow becomes the place where you pray. I'm talking about real life right now. I'm talking about where we live, where we're at. We need an altar in our life. We need a place to pray. And sometimes it's right there on our pillows when nobody else is around. Nobody else knows what's going on. Nobody else knows what we're dealing with. And we're, and we're talking to God. We're just interacting with God. You need an altar in your life. You need a place in your life where you talk to God. You don't need to shut God out right now. Brother Good put those verses from Psalms. I don't know the reference where David, there it is. David said this, When I remembered thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Is there another one? I don't know if there's another one. It might be that only verse. But when I 
remember thee on my bed. Your bed might be the best place. Your bed might be that altar. But you need an altar. Nobody nobody ever said that the posture of prayer is you have to be on your knees. The posture of prayer is not this. You don't have to wait till you get right here to talk to God. You don't have to be on your knees because you could be standing on your feet and you could be like that old King Hezekiah who when he was discouraged, when he got the letter from uh, that king of Assyria, the Bible says that he went and he put his face to the wall and he began to talk to the Lord while he was standing He stood up and he talked to God. It was Daniel who knelt with his window open and he prayed toward Jerusalem. But sometimes people are sitting and sometimes people are standing and sometimes people are lying on the ground or they're lying in their beds. But wherever it is, you've got to have an altar. You better have an altar. You better have a place where God can deal with you. You better have a place where you can take your sin. The Lord, or John, 1 John 1, John says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But he said in the next verse, he said, if we confess our sins. Verse number 9, is that on there? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to tell you tonight, and you hear me, saint of God, from your pastor, I'm not angry, I'm not mad, but you better have a place where you take your sin. You better not hold on to that sin. You better not carry it on your shoulder or in your heart. You better not keep that pride bottled up. You better not hold on to that jealousy or that envy. You better get it out, and you better put it on the altar. If you've got bad feelings, if you've got a bad spirit, you better get it out of the inside and take it to the altar. You need an altar. I need an altar. We need a place. We need a place where we can take it to the Lord and lay it there. Whether it's in your room or your car or your bed or at the church. Sometimes I'm by myself here at the church and I'll come and I'll pray at this altar or that altar or these steps or I'll just walk around and I'll talk to the Lord all by myself because I've got things I need to talk to the Lord about and I've got things I need to unload on Him. We need an altar in our life so that the Lord can help us and direct us. Praise the Lord. God, give us some daily bread. Nourish us. Nourish us. Nourish us. Praise the Lord. We need a place of forgiveness. We need a place where we can meet the Lord. We need a place where we can die daily. Amen. Isaiah 56 and 7. Isaiah said, Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The Lord said, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Now in the Old Testament, 
that house was literally the tabernacle. There was literally the temple. But where we live today, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are to be a house of prayer. Psalms 141 verse 1. Lord, I cry unto Thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto Thee. Let my prayer be set forth before Thee as an incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. We need a place. We need a place where we can praise, where we can pray and talk to the Lord. It takes an altar. It's a holy place. You need a holy place in your life. You and I need a holy place. We are, we are affected, we are influenced uh, by the, the activities of our world, by the places we go, we need a holy place to go to. We need to spend time with the Lord. And you know what's going to happen when you start spending time with the Lord? The Lord's going to drop a name of somebody into your heart. It's going to happen. The Lord's going to lay somebody on your heart. And what you need to do when the Lord begins to speak to you about somebody, you need to stop right then and you need to pray for that person. You need to talk to God. on the beh- That name didn't come to your mind by accident. That name didn't come to your mind just because your mind is all over the place. But maybe the Lord laid that person on your mind so you can pray for them, so you can intercede and, and make supplication for those people. But that's why we have to have an altar where we can pray and seek the Lord on the behalf of others. There are people who are wrestling spiritually tonight. And they need people like you and me. They need somebody like you who will, who will stop and care enough to pray for them. There needs to be a, a strong church in this city. There needs to be strong saints of God in this city. We don't need to be just limping along our entire life. But you and I need to get some spiritual backbone and some spiritual strength and get strong in the Lord to where we can pray for somebody else. I, I wonder sometimes, and maybe this, maybe this is not inspired, maybe this is just pastor speak, but I wonder if the Lord sometimes gets tired of us dealing with the same issue over and over when He says, I've taken that from you. I've taken that load off of you. Why are you still dealing with that? Why don't you start helping somebody else? Why don't you go pray for somebody else? Be strong in the Lord. Pray. Go to the altar. Talk to God. We need a place. We need a place where we meet the Lord. We need a place where we can go and we can die to our sin. We need a place where we can die out to our sin and our pride and lay our bitterness down and lay our jealousies aside and, and put our hurts and our wounded wounds and our anxieties on an altar. So tell me. Tell me about the place in your life. Tell me about the place where you meet God. Tell me about the place where you talk to God. Tell me about your altar tonight. Tell me when's the last time you went to the altar. Tell me when's the last time you interceded for your pastor. Or you interceded for the people on the aisle next to you. When's the last time you prayed for other people. For the lost. For the hurting. When's the last time you you got a burden for, for somebody who is backslidden. You gotta have an altar in your life. Oh, that's for the elders. That's for the old people. No, it's for all of us. We all need an altar. 
And I'm telling you tonight that God has laid it on this man's heart that, that you and I, we need consecration. We need dedication. Consecration is about separation. It's about laying some things aside and drawing near to God. Is there anybody who doesn't need to be closer to God? I need to talk to you. I need your help. Because I need to be closer to God. And I'm not, I'm not saying that flippantly. I'm not saying that, you know, just, just off the cuff. I, I need to be closer to God. Consecration is not about doing more good deeds. It's about separation. It's not about going to church more. It's about separation. It's not about daily devotions. It's not about keeping the Ten Commandments. It's not about going and being a witness. It's not about giving God your tithe. It's not about volunteering for ministry or raising your hands in worship. It's not about going on a missions trip. But consecration is setting yourself apart. And getting away from all of the influence and the voices that are dragging us down and and leading us astray and setting ourselves apart and being fully and completely devoted to the Lord. You know what it is? It's dethroning self. This this is hard for this preacher. It's dethroning self. And it's putting Jesus Christ on the throne. It's saying that I can't rule, and I can't reign, and I can't get my way. When we consecrate ourselves, it's giving God veto power in my life. Saint of God, can God say no to you? Can God, can God really say no to you? Are you going to push back against God and say, no God, I really want this in my life. But what if the Lord brings conviction about it? Can God really say no? Are we really going to override the Lord? Are we really going to let our conscience get seared like a hot iron? It's about consecration. It's about surrendering all of me to all of Him. It's about going deeper in God. It's all of me. It's all of Him. Stand with me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We have to do more than show up for church. We got to go all in, folks. Can I say it again? It's about more than showing up for church. It's 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 more than just showing up for church. It's going all in with God. It's saying I've got to get serious about this thing. It's about it's about it's about our, our salvation. It's about our soul. It's about surrender. Complete surrender. Not very many people ever get to this point. Not very many people ever get to the place to where they, they completely surrender everything to the Lord. They've got to hold on to this habit or they've got to hold on to this thing in their life or they've got to keep this around. But consecration is laying it all aside. Saying, God, here I am. You know what my prayer is? You know what my prayer is? My prayer is, God, give us an appetite for you. 
There's enough worldliness to go around. But my prayer is, God, give us a hunger. Give us an appetite for You. Because it's too easy to get full of ourselves. It's way too easy to get full of you know, the, 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 the things that the world has to offer. And if we're full of ourselves, that, that's, that's a good indicator that it's time to go back to the altar and start emptying some things out. Say, God, I'm sorry for my neglect. And God, I'm sorry for getting so caught up in my own ways. And God, I'm sorry for, for being so selfish. And you empty it out and you make a place and you, you allow yourself, you get in your, get your place, make a position where God can work and He can bless. And He says, I want you to be a house of prayer. I want you to be a house of prayer. God's dealing with us. God's working on us. That's why you need to plan to fast tomorrow. You need to give yourself to... I'm not going through the motions anymore. We need, we need, to, be, we need to be true. We need to be real. We don't need to play games with God. We don't need to mess around. We need to pray. We need to be consecrated. We need to be surrendered to the Lord. So I'm going to ask you to find a place to pray. You may want to pray around here. I'm not going to ask you to go to a specific place. But like I said at the beginning, I want us to find, I want us to have a time of prayer together. And you may want to get off by yourself, or you may want to come right up to the altar, or you might want to kneel, or you want to stand, or if you want to walk, or if you want to lay down on your face, nobody's going to judge you. It doesn't matter where you pray, but I just want you to pray for a few minutes here tonight. I just want you to take this enough, serious enough. And, and if you need to repent tonight, why don't you repent? If you need to repent, please repent. If you strayed, if you if you have if if you're if you have somehow allowed some compromise to to creep in, why don't you why don't you ask God to help you with that area of your life? Jesus, hear our prayers tonight, Lord. We're not perfect. God, we recognize our need to be closer to You. And we recognize, oh God, the importance of prayer and, and consecration and separating ourselves from some things in this life. And Lord, I pray for this church right now. I pray for myself. God, look deep into my heart, Lord. God, forgive me.
I'm wrong.